Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Well, listen, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We're starting a new series today called Teach Us to Pray, Growing in Prayer as Disciples of Jesus. Uh, We want to to look at what it looks like to grow in prayer as a body of Christ. And this morning, the title of my message is Simple Prayer. Simple Prayer. And and as you're turning to Matthew 6, I want to share a verse that's from Song of Solomon. It says this, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. Evidently, these cute little adorable mammals can be destructive and, and a nuisance to owners of vineyards. I don't own a vineyard, and I, I actually have never touched a fox up close. I've seen it uh, from far away. But these animals have a, uh, the ability to just dig holes around roots and destroy vines. They are predators. They go and they look for rodents. I want you to look at this, these pictures on the, on the screen up here. I don't know where they got this from, but watch this. See if you can relate to this next picture. That's what, isn't that what life feels like sometimes? You know, you're going trying to make a living and you just end up with your head in the snow. But you know, the, the writer of the Song of Solomon, he knew something about little things. He knew that if you neglect little things, they will end up being big things eventually. If we neglect simple, little disciplines in our lives, it often leaves us like this fox with our heads buried in the sand. You know what I'm talking about? Like, for example, have you ever forgotten to roll up your windows on your car at night, only to find out that That night, it rained. So you get in your car late for work, and you got to ride in a soggy seat all the way to work. On top of that, you're going to smell like mildew uh, for the rest of the day. Or how about credit card payments? You know when that date is to pay off your credit card. And I said pay off, like you don't have a credit card and not pay it off. Okay, you've got to pay off your credit cards month to month. But have you ever missed that payoff date? It's so simple. It's such a simple thing, but you forgot about it. And now you've got fees on top of it, late fees and also interest. And there's only so many times that they will forgive that debt uh, before they will say, no, no, we're charging you the $29.99 or the $39, whatever it is. It's such a simple discipline. If you miss that, it'll cost you. How about your car? Car maintenance, putting windshield wiper fluid in that little thingy. I don't know how many times I've been on the road and I forgot to do that and then it's dusty and then something just enough gets on there and then I try to turn it on and I can't see in front of me. Or how about rotating your tires, rotating the tires on your car? I've gone like over a year and a half without doing that and the tires get wobbled, like get really wobbly. I'm talking about right now. I'm not talking about in the past. I've done that. And uh, it's so simple, but it's such an inconvenience, isn't it? 
How about changing your oil? I knew this girl years ago that she didn't change her oil for two to three years. She did not change it, and it ended up locking up her car. It became like this tarry peanut butter. And, you know, the point that I'm trying to make is that little foxes, simple disciplines that if we neglect to do them in life, they will keep us as disciples from being as fruitful as we can. And you know what? Prayer, that's what we're going to be focusing in on this morning. Prayer is one of those spiritual disciplines in life that if we practice it regularly, it's kind of like motor oil in our lives. It just keeps things moving smoothly. But if we neglect prayer, over time, our spiritual lives and our lives get locked up. So I want to begin this morning by, by giving a definition of what prayer is. What is prayer? The definition I want to give is, is pretty simple. Prayer is simply communicating with God. Prayer is simply communicating with God. Now, notice I didn't say prayer is talking to God. Now, that is a type of communication, but that's not the only way that we communicate to God in prayer. Because Paul says in Romans 8, 26, he says, you know, there's times when I'm praying that I don't know exactly what to say. I don't know how to pray as I ought to. He says, and the Holy Spirit intercedes for me or us with groanings too deep for words. Have you ever been in prayer? You didn't quite know what to say, but you knew something was in there, and you, all you can do is groan with deep words. Well, that's, that's a form of prayer. That's a form of communicating with God. Prayer is the means that God has given us to express our hearts and to pour out our souls to him. It's, it's the vehicle that we adore God through. We give him praise through prayer. We confess our sins and our transgressions, and we communicate gratitude and thanksgiving, and also we come to him with our petitions, asking him through prayer. Prayer is simple, and it's simply communicating with God, but... Let me ask you this, does prayer really matter? I want you to think about that. Now, this seems like one of them, uh, no duh. We're in the church. I'm asking you, does prayer really matter? How, all right, how many of you say that prayer really matters? All right, just by the show. Okay, I think everybody's hand is up. Well, let me ask you this, how much does it matter to you? Do you pray? Is your life characterized as a prayer of, of, uh, of as a life of prayer, And you might be going, well, how do I know that? Is it that I'm praying five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, an hour, two, three? If I say that, would you say that I'm a prayer warrior, that, I'm, that I'm, my life is characterized by prayer? Well, actually, 1 Thessalonians says to pray without ceasing. To, in other words, to live before God in a posture of ongoing communication that our lives should be continually in a place where we are communicating with God. And if you have one of the weeklies this morning, on the back side of that weekly, we've got what we're calling a prayer meter. It's a scale from 1 to 10. I want you to pull that out if you have it and look at it. And I want you to tell me on a scale of 1 to 10, based on this, this verse right here, pray without ceasing, where do you align? And this is, listen, church, this is where, if we're going to grow in prayer, we have to become truthful about it. 
We have to deal with where we really are at. So I want you to look at that and just, you don't have to show it to anyone. You don't, may not even have to mark it, but in, at least in your head, I want you to just tell yourself, are you a one or are you a 10? And we need to be honest about that. Have you ever noticed that prayer is simple, but it's difficult? Have you ever noticed that? You know, prayer is a, a spiritual discipline. And there are some people that I know that that discipline actually comes more natural to them. They, are, they, they enjoy praying, and they know how to pray. And then there's other people like me that prayer does not come natural. Prayer is a struggle. Now, you give me the Word of God, I can, I can be in the Word of God for hours upon hours. And you need both. You need the Word of God, and you need to pray, because the Word of God informs the way that we should pray. But it's not enough just to read your Bible. What's, what God is communicating needs to come out of us and be expressed in prayer. And, you know, I don't think I'm the only one who struggles with prayer. Um, I was reading about a survey that was given at, a prayer, at prayer seminars covering about 17,000 people. And the average prayer time, these are people that want to grow in prayer. They said that the average time that most people in church pray is less than five minutes a day. Now, they also, in that 17,000, they polled 2,000 pastors and their wives, and it wasn't much better. It was less than seven minutes. So I don't think I'm the only one in this room that is struggling with this. Prayer doesn't come natural to most of us. And let me ask you something. Based on that, uh, what you checked on your box on the back of the weekly, let me ask you this. Does prayer really matter to you? How many of you would say that, and I, just by a show of hands, how many of you would say that, you know what, I have, there's room for me to grow in praying? Just by a show of hands. Okay, good. How many of you would say, actually, I checked a 10? Okay, good. I'm so glad no one raised their hand because we would bring you forward and pray for you because there's nobody, there's nobody in here. This is actually a discipline that we all can grow in. I don't care if you're a prayer warrior or, or, or if you don't pray at all as a believer. This is something that we can all grow in. Well, let me ask you this question. Why is prayer so difficult? Have you ever thought about that? It's simple, but it's difficult. I was talking to our MC this week, and I, I like to bounce things off of people. I asked them, why is prayer so difficult? And they said things like, it's time-consuming. It takes time. We're lazy. We're just lazy and don't want to pray. We're proud. We don't think we need to pray. And one, of, one that was stated, which I thought was really good, is that it's hard to carry on a conversation with someone that you can't see with your eyes. Isn't that what it can be, prayer? It's hard to do because we can't see God. It requires us to walk by faith. But I'll tell you what, all those reasons are really are funneled down into one reason. And that's because we have, it's difficult to pray because we have enemies. There's three enemies that we have. One is within us. It's that, prayer, it's that natural man or natural woman that's opposed to God. Our unredeemed self does not want to, to communicate with God. And then there's two enemies that are outside of us. One is the world, the world in which we live. That, have you noticed that the world is full of distractions? Have you ever noticed that? That the very thing you need to do, pray, the world can distract you. I would rather clean my room 
at times than prayer. Have you ever noticed, you'll do the most remedial tasks that you wouldn't normally do. They're fun when it's like, I'll pray later. And then what I found in my life is that I'll do that little remedial task and prayer often doesn't happen. So the world is a distraction, but our number one enemy is the enemy of our souls. And that is Satan, the evil one. And listen, he knows something. And I want to, and we know it, but I need to remind us this morning, the enemy knows something that if we pray, if the people of God pray, if we pray kingdom prayers, if we align our prayers with the will of God, with our father, if we grow in prayer, he knows that God will respond to the prayers of his people. He knows that the kingdom will thrive on earth, even as it does in heaven. And so the evil one does not want us to pray. And he, he puts out this effective lie that basically says prayer doesn't really matter. Our prayers don't really change anything. It doesn't really work. Have you ever experienced that where you've been praying like you've prayed for someone to come to Christ, or maybe you've prayed that someone would be healed, or you've begged the Lord, you've got something that you're dealing with. Maybe it's a particular sin in your life. It's something that you're struggling with. And you said, Lord, I pray that you would free me from this. I know this is your will. And yet it just seems like nothing happens. And that, when that happens, our experiences can inform us instead of the truth. And that's what I want to bring this morning is the truth of what prayer really is. Just because God doesn't respond immediately to our petitions does not mean he is not at work. And if we're not careful, we will adopt a fatalistic or a deistic view of God. A fatalistic or a deistic view of God. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, fatalism teaches that all events in life, everything in life is predetermined. What's going to happen is going to happen no matter what you do. Back in 1956, there's a lady named Doris Day. She had a number one hit smash. It's called Whatever Will Be Will Be. Que sera, sera. Y'all know that song? Here's, here's how verse one went. When I was a little girl, I can't relate to this. When I was a little girl, I asked my mother, what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. What will be, will be. That's a horrible song. <laughs> we will never sing that again in here, okay? But that is a horrible song because it doesn't say that God is in control. It doesn't say that God is sovereign. It says that God is controlling every breath that you take, every move that you make, every bond you break, every single step you take. Not only is he, you guys really know these scriptures really well. I tell you what, um, where was I? It's not only that he's watching you, he's controlling you like a puppet, turning your head, 
raising your, raising your hands, putting them down. And if that is true, if that's the case, if we have that mindset, why would we want to pray? It's not going to do anything. Secondly, deism teaches that God is like a master clockmaker. And basically when he created the heavens and the earth, it was like he created a, a clock and he wound it up, set it down and he walked away and he's letting it tick down, unwind. He's no longer involved with his creation. He's an impersonal, distant God who does not intervene with his creation. And again, if this is the case, if God is impersonal, if he's distant, if he doesn't walk with his people, then why in the world would you pray to a God like that? So in these two views, God is either controlling or he's out strolling. And either way, he doesn't take our prayers into account. But we, as disciples of Jesus, we reject both views. We reject deism because God did not walk away from us. We walked away from him. Okay, we need to understand that. We were the ones that walked away. God did not walk away from his creation. Creation walked away from God. And when we did, God didn't become distant. He actually, it says, he left his throne room. He left heaven, took on the form of a man in the form of Jesus. He became one of us. He suffered alongside of us. And he went past that. He suffered for us on the cross. He suffered for those who walked away from him. He is so involved in the lives of his people. Deism should be rejected. And then fatalism, that, you know, that there's nothing that we can do to change anything. Well, that's not what Jesus says. In John 14, this is Jesus talking. These are the words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, who, who, who is that? Whoever believes in me, disciples of Jesus, right? My, God's children believe in him. If my children believe in me, <coughs> truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Look at verse 13. Whatsoever you ask in my name, this I will do. You see that ask right there. That's praying. Whatever you ask, what does he say? I will do. Look at verse 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What does it mean to ask in his name? It means you ask according to his character. You ask according to his will. Now, again, that's why it's important for us to know the word of God so that we can be partners in what God is doing through prayer. Through Jesus, we need to understand that we have this direct line to God. We have a road that has been paved. We have a ladder into heaven through Jesus. And he's given us this vehicle, this gift. It's a simple gift, the gift of prayer. It's very simple, but it's powerful because it has the ability to activate the kingdom of God in our lives, to bring the kingdom of heaven and, and make it active in our lives. But let me ask you this, by the way that you're living your life right now, do you believe that? Is, is prayer important to you? Do you believe it really matters? I've, I've, I've had to ask myself that. 
Does prayer really matter in the way that I live my life? I know somebody that it mattered to. It mattered to Jesus. Because Jesus was a man who prayed. Jesus was a prayer warrior. Before choosing the 12 apostles, it says that he stayed up all night and prayed. Before raising Lazarus from the dead, it says that Lazarus had been dead in the tomb for four days. Jesus walks up to the tomb. says that he lifted his eyes up into heaven and he prayed to the Father. Before he went to the cross, he was talking to Peter and he said, Peter, Satan has demanded to sift you. And this is what he says, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And on the night of his arrest, prior going to the cross while Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, it says that he was laboring, he was wrestling in prayer so fiercely that the sweat rolled down like blood, like drops of blood to the ground. And then lastly, while hanging on the cross, being pinned to the cross, not against his will, but being pinned to the cross, it says that he prayed three prayers. Number one, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Secondly, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why has he forsaken Jesus? Because of me because of you. And his final breath was into your hand. I commit my spirit. We know that prayer matters because Jesus prayed. And since Jesus deemed prayer important, we would be wise to learn to walk in his footprints, in his footsteps. So how do we learn to pray like Jesus? How do we learn to pray like Jesus? This is actually what the disciples ask him in Luke chapter 11. Jesus is praying. He comes back to his disciples and they say to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And in our passage today found in Matthew 6, Jesus is actually in the middle of his most famous sermon ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is a sermon that teaches what kingdom living looks like. And during this time, as he's preaching to his disciples, he addresses what kingdom prayer should look like. So I want us to go ahead and, and go to Matthew 6 and begin with verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. Now, when you came in this morning, again, on your weekly, on the back side, I want us to look at, we've written down a place where you can take notes. It's called the ABCs of Kingdom Prayer. We've got four gospel truths that I want to share this morning and the remaining time that we have together that come from this passage that I believe will help us to learn to pray, to grow in prayer. 
And the first one is this. The prayer life of a disciple is active. The prayer life of a disciple is active. Notice in in verse 5, Jesus doesn't say, and if you pray. What does he say? And when you pray. Verse 5, he says, and when you pray. Verse 6, he says, but when you pray. Verse 7, he says, and when you pray. And then, Lord willing, next week when we go into the Lord's Prayer or the disciples' prayer, we see that he says, pray like this. Jesus assumes that his disciples are prayers. And the prayer life of a disciple is meant to be active. It's like breathing. Prayer is like breathing. I want everyone just to take a deep breath in. Hold it. All right, do not let it out till next week. That is so ludicrous, isn't it? But isn't that how we live often with our prayer lives? Going huge chunks at a time, and we wonder. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about myself. Why, are, why am I so dead today? Why am I feeling so low? Why am I so up and down with my emotions? Maybe it's because I'm holding my breath in, and I'm not praying actively. So the prayer life of a disciple is active. Secondly, it's bona fide. I dug deep for this one. Bona fide. You know what bona fide means? Genuine or real, right? It's bona fide. Our prayers need to be bona fide. He says this in verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. You see that right there? What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is someone who pretends or acts. A hypocrite is an actor. Back in the day of Jesus, they would have plays, and hypocrites were the actors. They, they were called hypocrites. They would wear this is they would wear a mask. They would cover themselves with a mask and pretend to be something or someone that they were not. That's what Jesus is saying about people who are praying in verse five. He says, "Don't be like them." Now, what is Jesus really getting at here? He's getting at motives. What is your motivation for what you do? Listen, God is always, always, always concerned about our motives. He's always concerned about why we do what we do. And as we are looking to grow in prayer, we need to ask, why are we seeking to grow in prayer? What is your motive to grow in prayer? What, was, what is the motive of these people, of the actor? Did you see, they love something. Look right here, it says they love what? To be seen by others. You see that? They love to be seen by others. Now, I'm not standing up here going, man, I'm glad I'm not like that. I'm standing up here going, man, I see myself in this. Let me ask you something. Why do most of us post on social media? Because I just want to glorify. Why? Why do you do that? You need, why do we like likes? Because we, there's something in us that likes praise. And we're made that way by God, okay? But it's, the question is, who do you want the praise of? Is your motivation to be praised by God? Or is your motivation to be praised by man? The heart motive of a disciple who is walking rightly before God, his motivation, her motivation does not come from wanting everyone around them to praise them. Look at what Paul says in Galatians 1.10. He says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? 
Or who am I trying to please? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. He is echoing what Jesus, what Jesus himself declared when he said, you cannot serve two masters in Matthew 6, 24. You're going to only be able to serve one master. And so he says, don't let your motivation be because you want people to praise you and think how awesome you are. Because he says, because if that's why you do it, then you've received your reward. There's no eternal reward in that. The prayer life of a disciple is active, it's bona fide, and it's covert. Covert, it's hidden. Again, Jesus is dealing with motives. And now he's going to show us in verse 6 what the right motive is to pray. He says, but when you go into your room and shut... But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I know that right now, 75% to 85% of our congregation is going, yes, that means I don't have to pray publicly. I have, I have known people that have told me, we're not supposed to pray in public because verse 6 right here says you're supposed to go pray in private. I think actually the people that I know that say this, they just don't feel comfortable praying publicly. Public prayer, if you're praying to each other, can be quite nerve-wracking, can it? So Jesus is not saying that we should not have public prayer. Public prayer is all throughout the Word of God. He's saying... Don't let that be your only prayer. Make sure you've got this closet that, you, that you're living in before God. The question is, who, who are your eyes on? Here or here when it comes to prayer? I love the quote that comes from Oswald Chambers. He says, the primary thought in the area of religion is, keep your eyes on God, not on people. Your motivation should not be the desire to be known as a praying person. I love that. Your motivation should not be the desire to be known as a praying person. He goes on to say, find an inner room in which you wish to pray where no one even knows you are praying. Shut the door and talk to God in secret. Have no motivation other than to know your Father in heaven. It is impossible to carry on your life as a disciple without definite times of secret prayer. I love what he says when he says, have, your mo have no motivation other than to know your Father in heaven. That's the right motivation to pray. Remember we started saying, what is prayer? It's communication, isn't it? It's communicating our hearts to God. Now, when God speaks back to us, he's not praying to us. He's revealing to us. We pray, God reveals. But our motivation when we are praying should be to know our God and for our God to know us. There should be, our spiritual lives should be like an iceberg. 
there should be more hidden than what's on the surface. What people see about you in public should be less than what you are actually doing in private. To put it another way, hide your good works and expose your evil. Take your good works and put them in the closet. And if there's anything in that closet that's evil, that's sinful, bring it out so you can deal with it. Because Jesus says in Luke 8, 17, there is coming a day when he's coming to everybody's closet and he's going to open it. And it is going to be open for everyone or at least God to see. What do you want God to find in your closet on the day of judgment? I know it's that we want to, we want to have our good works that have been hidden for his glory and that were motivated by us coming to know him. The prayer life of a disciple is active, bona fide, covert, and lastly, simple. Simple prayer. Jesus says in verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. This is such a, uh, I love this last point, simple. Kingdom prayers are meant to be simple and real. At the end of the day, what we've got to ask ourselves, what is God really after? Is he after our prayers? No, he's after us. Our prayers are, should be an expression of us, should be an expression of our hearts. And you know, I don't know if you're like me, but there's times that my prayers can be as impersonal as a holiday card that has been sent to me by my cell phone provider. You ever get those? I'm going to put this one right up here. No, where does that go? In the trash. It's like, okay, that's cool. They reminded me to pay my bill. But when you have a close friend, someone that's dear to you, You're yourself with that person, aren't you? You open your heart. And the crazy thing about all this is that God, the one who didn't walk away, he wants to come to us and to have us open our hearts to him. He wants to have fellowship with us, real and simple, heart-expressed fellowship. And notice that, uh, that Jesus says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. Empty phrases. We can all be guilty of praying prayers that we've just, parroting prayers that we've just heard everybody else pray. And I'm not going to do that. This, I'm not going to share what those are because we're all still growing. We're, some of us, are, we're going to do that from time to time. I don't want to, oh, there's one, there's a parrot. I'm not wanting to do that. But I want to point out that we need to learn to pray prayers that are fresh and new and alive that come from the Word of God, inspired by the, the Holy Spirit. And there's something in us that's wired to think that the more we say in prayer, man, if we say it enough, then God will finally 
listen to us. That's what, actually, that's what New Age meditation teaches, to say a phrase over and over and over, keep saying it over and over until you bring about whatever it is that you're trying to make happen. But you know what? The enemy, the enemy is not afraid of those types of prayers. You can pray those all day long. They don't shake heaven. They don't bring the kingdom down. There was a, uh, there's an account in the Old Testament where Elijah, Elijah the prophet, is having this prayer war with the the, uh, prophets of Baal. And what they do is they have these two sacrifices. One was Elijah's, one is the the, uh, prophets of Baal. And he goes, all right, we're going to pray to our God. Whichever God answers, that's the God that we're going to serve. He says that to Israel. And so the, the prophets of Baal, they go around the, the, uh, their sacrifice, and they begin praying and saying lots of words. They start cutting themselves. Their blood starts rushing out upon the altar. They do this all day long. At the end of the day, Elijah goes, you guys done? And he basically prays about a 30 to 60 second prayer. He says, God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Basically, he says, show everybody that there's a God in Israel. And immediately, boom, out of heaven comes fire and and licks up both, both altars. And you know, the thing about those prophets is that they shed their blood to be heard. But you know what? We know as children of God that we don't shed our blood to be heard because he shed his blood that we might be heard. This is all about the gospel. That is the key to prayer, is to understand that God does not love us. He did not first love us because we're good prayers. That isn't why he died for us. He actually died for us because we're not good prayers, because we're not good communicators with him. And he died for us. He entered into our world because he's merciful. He's loving He's patient, he's kind, and he loves giving gift, gifts to his people. And he hears our prayers. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. God listens to the simple heart prayers of his people. And we need to understand that God, he's not after eloquent prayers. It would be better to to pray just one word, one heartfelt word, than to parrot 10,000 religious phrases that are empty and meaningless. John Bunyan says, In prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. What is God after? He's after your heart. He wants the real you. He wants the real me, and he invites us to come to him. It says in Ephesians 3, 20, verse 21, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Did you see that? Who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask. I don't know about you, but I have a big imagination and I can ask lots 
and lots of things. And I'm asking myself, then why don't you do that? I can grow in that area of asking. What do you think, let me ask you this, and I want you to think about this with me. What do you think that God is desiring to do in your life through prayer, if only you would ask, if only you would pray? What do you think that God is desiring to do in our church, if only we would grow in prayer and we would ask? What does God desire to do in our city, our state, our nation, the world, if his people will simply grow in prayer? And you know, let me tell you why I want to grow in prayer and why I want our congregation to grow in prayer. It's because there is this fear or this grief that, when I think about it, that we could actually be a church that operates without being led and empowered by the Spirit of God. We can have good food, we can have good friends and good fellowship and not be strengthened by the Spirit of God that comes through prayer to God. And let me ask you this. Don't you want to see God more clearly? Don't you want to see His glory? Don't you want to see His power? Don't you want to be looking around in your own life, and in our lives, and say, man, that only happened because of God. Man, this is a great body that we're a part of. We are a praying people. Don't hear me saying we're not praying. I didn't mean to say that. We are a praying people, but we can grow in prayer. What does God want to do as we grow in prayer? So I'm asking you to join me at growing in prayer together. And this morning, what is God calling you to do? What step is he taking you, uh, asking you to take? As you look at that prayer meter, what would it take for you to bump just one bump up? Nothing huge. Maybe this morning as you're sitting here and as I've been preaching, as I've been declaring the word of God, you're saying, you know what? I realize that I am not a child of God. I don't know God, but there's something in you that has risen up that said, I want to know God. I want to be forgiven of my sins. Well, this is what I would encourage you. For you to bump up on the prayer meter is to pray to God and confess your sin, repent of sin, turn to him in faith, and pray to him, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I want to be your child through Jesus Christ. That might be the prayer that you need to be praying this morning. To the church, I want to ask you, as we look at the ABCs of prayer, active, is your prayer life active? If not, a prayer, a simple prayer would be, God, teach me. Teach me how to pray. Give me the desire to pray. Is it bona fide? Is it genuine? Are you seeking to know God or are you seeking to be known as a prayer warrior? Or seeking the praise of men. A prayer that you could pray is, God, I ask that you would destroy this idol that I have so that I can come straight to you. Covert, do you have a place, a prayer closet? 
Do you have somewhere that you consistently can go and spend time with God? I want to encourage you. If, that's, if you don't, I want to encourage you this morning to ask God to help you to do that. And simple, when was the last time that you really expressed your heart to God? When was the last time you poured out your soul to Him? Well, let me say, let that answer be today. Let that answer be this morning. Because God is calling you to take a step this morning. And you know what you've heard Him say to you. And I want to encourage you to respond to Him this morning. Now, it would be um, kind of ironic or hypocritical to just preach on prayer and then not pray, wouldn't it? So in just a minute, before Pastor Terry comes up and we have communion, I want you to take some time where you're at, or you may want to get up and go somewhere else. Whatever God is dealing with you in, I want to encourage you to pray where you're at. You might want to get on your, on your knees and kneel. You might want to stand and pray. This is going to be a time where we actually practice what I'm preaching this morning. But I want to encourage you, just keep it simple. Keep it simple. It doesn't have to be deep and eloquent. But pray. And we're going to pray for a little bit, and then Terry is going to come after, after a time of prayer and administer the elements.